1: Greetings and salutations. Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. As you can tell, I'm not Steven. Was it the beard? Was it the eyes? What gave it away? I am guest hosting for Steven today. He bought a house. So congratulations to Steven for getting that done. I'm sure he's busy. I'm sure he's trying to find where all his stuff is and he's swearing right now at the boxes and whatnot. Steven, we got it covered here because we also have some great guests with me today. We have Alex and Arjun. Arjun, how are you doing today?
2: Doing good. Um, I've been I've spent the last hour of today live betting the WNBA, so happy <laughs> to change topics and and start talking about some football today.
1: Okay, wait a minute. Uh, I didn't realize you were that invested, Arjun. I believe okay. there's a hotline for what the problem you have is. It's not. Um. It's
2: look. I've been—I mean, you—I don't know if you know. Like, I've been betting the WNBA since the summer started, so it's not a problem. I—I I have like a strategy, and like I've actually done well this summer, even though it's like my first time betting the WNBA. So, uh, <laughs> it it may seem like a problem, but like I'm actually happy that I was able to like branch out and like not just watch baseball or football on the entire summer. So,
1: yeah. All right, that's great, uh, Alex. Any gambling for you so far?
3: No, but I would like to say that it's not a problem is the first thing uh, that you know, addicts <laughs> say when they have a problem and need help. So, Arjun, Woo. the first step is accepting help if you're betting like over under super minutes in a WNBA game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very interested to hear how that goes. Next time we have you on, please update us um, early. I have to shout out my parents, Andrea and John, for the super stickers. Thank you for that, as always. They were going to go on a cruise to the islands of Wichima, whatever. Uh, the flight got canceled, so they just redid the entire trip and decided to just pay for a different trip to the Bahamas. So uh, congratulations to them. Guys, I hope you have a great time. And, of course, starting off the show, as last time, Renee Vandervelden, the new producer and co-owner of our show, thank you very much. All right. So here's how today is going to work. We're going to start covering with you know, what we have to cover, right? The injuries, the main storylines, and all that. Then we're going to transition to questions from YouTube channel members and Patreon supporters. You guys sent those in yesterday. We'll cover, I don't know, half a dozen of those or so, just to kind of, you know, give you guys some special treatment and let you guys get your questions for sure answered live. And then the third part of the show, of course, as always, we're going to take your live questions. So if you'd like to guarantee that your question gets read on the show. Uh, Send in a super chat. Uh, You don't have to send in a $50 super chat, though. Okay. To start us off, let's talk about these injuries because we have to. Now, we don't know exactly what the injuries are, and this update is from Daniel Popper on Thursday from that last practice with the Cowboys, so we're kind of guessing here. But as it currently stands, or as it stood on Thursday, Donald Parham, Tavon Campbell, and Emeka Aguilé sat out entirely, and then Ty Shelby, Mark Webb, and Jaw Taylor – they did not participate in team drills, but they did participate in individual drills. So let's just talk about any of those guys that stand out to you or maybe the guys who will step up you know, in their place. Who loses the most from their absence or who gains the most um, from being the next man in line? Alex, we'll start with you.
3: Yeah, I think Ty Shelby loses the most, um, just because this is yeah. the preseason game that they were targeting, you know, for him to be back and, you know, potentially make an impact. And for what it's worth, I think Jamal Davis had a really good game last week. I thought MK Egbele had a really good game last week. And so, you know, losing more playing time to those guys getting their chance, you know, to make mm-hmm. the roster, mm-hmm. I, I think is really unfortunate for him. Um, Mark Webb is gonna be the interesting one to see if he plays. Yeah. Um, I you know, I I don't know if he got like deep. Play last game i mean i didn't really notice like a ton of reps from him uh so yeah no i i think we'll see you know if he can really make an imprint on the safety competition because it's just you know in theory he's a really good Staley system player but again hasn't been able to get on the field hasn't been able to make that impact and stay healthy so um you know also talking in the same vein about like defensive backs that opens up you know the opportunities for someone like a Raheem Lane uh, or some of those other guys to make the roster. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm just curious to see, I guess, what the depth chart breakdown is, especially after these you know first five cuts happen this week, and we'll get another five next week after this game, right? Uh, yeah, I so, believe so. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's any like big injury implications. But unfortunate break for somebody like Ty Shelby. Mm-hmm. Arjun, what
1: about you?
2: Um, I'd have to say uh, Tavon Campbell. I, I think the cornerback five spot. Like, I think they'll they'll only carry five corners, so it's gonna come down to Campbell. Or no, I think they could carry five or six. So it, it comes down to two of the three between Campbell, year and Leonard. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I was like pretty critical of Leonard last week, and that maybe is on me. Like, I thought looking back on it, he he was in the right spot. He just didn't turn his head around on a lot of plays. Um, sure. So like, I think, I mean, I think Jasir and Campbell have that like inside outside flexibility because Campbell's mm-hmm. played in a spot before, um, but one of them needs to stand out. And I mean, both of them didn't even practice on Thursday. So it's it's kind of, it's kind of bad if both of them don't play because we don't know much about either player then, or we kind of know Campbell's bad, but uh, <laughs> but Jasir might be less bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, we'll see what John Taylor... I- I I swear he was participating on the Wednesday practice when we were there, but I, I could be wrong. Mark Webb was on the field, but I don't recall. We couldn't see the defense. So I don't know how much he was contributing that day. Um would obviously like to see both out there. But I mean, it's Dean Leonard's job right now. If Tavon Campbell can't get on the field, I mean Dean Leonard, two defensive pass interference penalties, you know, a touchdown, a 60-yard t- gain or whatever it was, or two touchdowns. Um didn't look great. But guess what? He's the only one available. So if he's the only one available. And Devon Campbell can't, you know, go take that spot. It's going to be him. So I think Dean Letter really does benefit here, as does Jamal Davis. If Emeka Egbouleh is out, then that's huge because I really thought it would come down to the two. Still feels like Davis had the lead, but Emeka Egbouleh, nine pressures if you count the scrimmage and the last preseason game. And Davis had seven. So two guys really competing. And if Egbouleh can't practice or he can't play, that's huge for Jamal Davis. I think if Davis has another solid game tonight, I think he's locked in that spot if they keep another edge four and a half if whatnot. So, all right, let's try to transition to those bigger storylines, I think. And I did want to cover two, you know, one on either side of the ball just to get those covered. And then we'll talk about some other ones that we're keeping an eye on. And, And the first one is really this. And I have to talk about it because it's a thing that wasn't a thing, but now it's a thing. And that's Michael Davis versus Asante Samuel Jr. Obviously, it's not really a versus, there's no offense-defense relationship here. But you know, Michael Davis has been the starter for almost two weeks now. During the last preseason game, you know, we didn't get a whole lot from either. It's not like they played the whole game or even a half. Um, but even if you think Davis maybe wasn't better, he was certainly the more impactful guy that game. And Asante Samuel Jr. had that very, you know, obvious defensive pass interference. So Do you think that with a good game tonight that Davis can truly seize that number two job, or do you really just think that Asante Samuel jr has this job barring some sort of ridiculous, horrendous output tonight, Alex, what do you think?
3: Um, I, I think Davis can seize the job. Uh, I don't think it's ASJ's job to lose. I guess they're just kind of both competing for that spot at this point. Um, prior to Michael Davis getting these first team reps prior to, you know, ASJ having that pass interference penalty last game. um, It felt like for a lot of training camp, it was kind of locked up, but I mean, they, they, you know, the Chargers have let people know how they feel based on who they play. Right. And the fact that they are playing both of them still, Staley has been very open about saying, you know, if you don't have like a defined role on this team, then you're going to play in the preseason. And that's how he feels about both Davis and Samuel. So, um, I still think it's an open battle for CB2, and and maybe it won't matter, uh, you know, based on the fact that both of them are going to still play a lot, regardless of which one is the CB2. But the fact that, you know, obviously you have Callahan, JC Jackson not playing, and you still have these two, uh, you know, fighting for their spots, uh, I think that's, you know, signals that it is a very open competition for that CB2 spot. Uh so I'm looking to see, I guess, a better, a cleaner game from everybody involved in the defense, uh, particularly in the secondary. Obviously, we'll get to Dean Leonard at some point, but hopefully he can kind of have a bounce back game. Hopefully, ASJ can as well. And just hopefully the penalties and kind of missed tackle opportunities stay down. The defense can play clean as a whole. But uh, I think every indication is that it's pretty much open season for that CB2 job. Is yeah, I'll, a think, bit, I'll go
1: for it. Yeah.
3: I, I was I was curious
2: about this because I think it's it's going to be a fun it's going to be a, like a fun way to kind of see like how I, I think maybe potentially like how much the front office is involved in um, mm. some of these decision making. So like I, I've talked about like selection bias in the past, but, you know, Telesco and Staley together, they both wanted Davis on the team when Staley took over in 2021. They both paid him eight million dollars, mm. which is like a below like a slightly below like market level contract for like a second a good second year or second contract player but they both wanted him and like sometimes people feel the need to justify that contract by giving them playing time but he also spent a premium pick on Asante samuel jr so there's no real like buy i don't think there's any bias included here that like oh this guy was high drafted versus this guy was highly paid so i think it really will just come down to skill and and who's put uh who's put on better film during practices during preseason games and I mean hope, hopefully the best corner wins and it doesn't affect the other corners like confidence if you know they're asked to come onto the field due to an injury or say like Callahan who admittedly is injury prone like can the up can the CB4 step in in the slot or like that that's my big worry is like how how it affects the other players mental and like how the rotation would would happen if someone were to get hurt
1: yeah absolutely it'll be a storyline that maybe gets 10 snaps tonight 12 snaps tonight I don't know but had to keep track of it because it was nothing now it's something I think we'll see we'll find out pretty soon all right to the offensive side of the ball into a storyline that absolutely nobody wants to talk about but we have to chase Daniel versus Easton stick it does seem like Easton stick is going to get that start tonight not because he's now the QB two they're just rotating, I would assume. If not, whatever. It really doesn't matter all that much. A lot of people crowned Easton Stick the QB2 after the last game. Okay, maybe. I suppose you could do that. But honestly, I think Alex put a you know a gif of some guy snoring after watching both quarterbacks. There wasn't a lot there from either. Like, yeah, somebody was better, but it was the lesser of two evils, it felt like. It wasn't like, wow, Easton Stick, look at that quarterback. Or, oh my God, Chase Daniel, look at that quarterback. No one was really... Standing out so in this quarterback battle, and if you really do assume it is a, a true battle for QB two, Alex, what are you looking for from both of these quarterbacks today? That either they did do last time or didn't do last time. What are you looking to, forward to uh, from Chase Daniel, Easton Sick tonight? Um,
3: Just to see, you know, who can be cleaner and lead more consistent drives down the field. Um, I thought Stick did a slightly better job at that last game. But at the same time, I also thought that he had some bad throws that he missed, um, where he just, you know, stood back in a clean pocket and, you know, went full North Dakota State Carson Wentz. Like, so they both were pretty, like, mediocre. I, Daniel kind of missed a lot of throws because He's old and doesn't have the arm strength that he used to. So I guess I'm just looking to see, you know, who can take advantage of the respective players that they'll both have on the field. Uh, I assume that they'll both get some time with kind of that, you know, Spiller, Kelly, you know, receiving duo, uh, you know, coming out of the backfield. They'll both get some time with Palmer and Carter, uh, as well as, you know, everyone else that's kind of behind those guys so in addition to michael bandy so i'm curious to see making the best out of the weapons just to see you know who can really step up and show that they deserve that spot um i guess (laughs) it just has been like the least impressive part of all these like battles that it doesn't really feel like a battle to me they have both been pretty subpar to this point
1: arjun what do you think dude you're muted
2: yeah, I think, I think the LDE Bruin dude in the chat put it perfectly. Like, if either playing this year, we're kind of screwed. Um, look, so so da- I'll, I'll read off some stats. So Daniel last week had uh, 0.32 EPA, which is, like, really freaking good. Um, and Easton Stick had, like, a 0.117, which is, like, still, like, okay for a quarterback. I think Daniels is a, is a bit high because he threw two touchdowns and didn't really take right. any like, sacks or turn- have any turnovers. Um but like watching daniel fail to throw an out route like four times out of the yeah uh nine, 17 pass attempts i mean that was just that was just a priv i mean I, I watching watching him under or overthrow it throw it behind the receivers one almost should have been a pick six i mean yeah. it, it kind of like lets you know like how much the charters are chargers are going to have to water down their playbook if, if justin Herbert gets hurt And I mean, I'm not saying Easton Stick was, you know, can make those throws either, but I mean, we didn't, I think Easton Stick's play calls and the throws he was making were more over the middle, more design rollouts, things like that. So um, to me, it it just comes down to who can, literally just who can get the job done. It's not about like making stuff happen out of, out of, um, out of the pocket or, or being able to do things when plays break down. But it's it's just like, can you take care of the ball? Can you try to limit uh turning pressures into sacks? And can you just keep the keep the chains moving? Because ideally like okay, not ideally, but like if Herbert is for some reason having to sit out of the game or mm-hmm. is hurt, then you'd kind of want this um you'd kind of want this team to turn into like the twenty seventeen Jags where it's like led by your defense and <laughs> then you have a decent one yeah. game yeah. with a pretty good old line and then a pretty subpar quarterback that maybe can get the job done here and there but on on a game per game basis they're probably gonna mess up more than they help the team
1: yeah i'm just looking for whoever throws to michael bandy tonight it seems like if you do that you'll look great and if not you know maybe not so much but yeah i would love to see easton stick just push the ball a bit more like if you are truly the younger stronger armed quarterback more athletic quarterback show it he did on the a rushing attempt for sure but so did chase daniel um, but I want to see him push that ball down a little bit more and do it accurately. Almost had Bandy um, for that big gain. I want to see just a couple of those. Maybe if they aren't complete, at least try to push the ball down the field. Because if we're doing one conservative offense versus another conservative offense, but they can do a couple more bootlegs, probably still going to Chase Daniel at that point. All right. Any other storylines? Because there are many storylines. But I'm opening up to you guys now. What other storylines are you guys watching in this game tonight? I
2: think the obvious one is, is Pipkins and, and Norton. Um, yeah. I, I don't really think more, like, I don't think a lot needs to be said about that, but um, basically like who can not mess up the most. Cause like, obviously like playing against these backup players, you're not really going to be able to tell. So like, as long as they're not giving up a pressure on like, so if they both play like 12 snaps, like one pressure is fine. Two pressures would be concerning. And then um you know it's it's tough to like say like how this would translate to going against um like max crosby and, and chandler jones week one but it's really just like who messes up less between the two
1: that's where we're at with right tackle who messes up less uh yeah it wasn't great at these uh the two joint or at least the one that we attended arjun when we went to that, yeah. that practice it was not great and again i said even popper counted eight sacks by the first team offense and i'm like when has this become a concern? Everyone's like, no, you're reading into this too much. Like, relax. I'm like, eight sacks, guys. Eight sacks is a lot to allow from the first team offense, especially when you probably only threw 15 times, maybe that that during the, the joint practice. So, yeah, worrisome there. Of course, that's a storyline. I just don't care to talk about it because it's just, again, lesser of two evils. Alex, what do you think?
3: Yeah, um, this should be the game in theory where we get some Pipkins and Norton separation um, between the two in terms of who was less bad. But that's mm-hmm. also kind of what I thought last preseason game. And we didn't <laughs> really get any separation between the two. Not that either of them were like really bad or anything. Yeah. So just kind of. Uh, and then obviously this week in the scrimmage, you know, uh, you know, with the Cowboys, it just didn't feel like anything was going right for the first team offense. So, um, you know, they obviously played a part in that. Uh, I guess the one that I'm going to look forward to is watching the running backs. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. really curious to see how Kelly and Spiller come out. You know, they're both kind of gunning for that RB2 role behind Eckler. I thought Joshua Kelly looked really impressive last game quicker Mm -hmm. and just, you know, had a little bit more burst than any time I had previously watched Joshua Kelly in a Chargers uniform before. Um, So I'm curious to see if that carries over to tonight. Uh, And Isaiah Spiller was uh, really good as well, making, you know, just quick, decisive cuts. Uh, when he was running uh, behind that offensive line. So for me, I'm curious to see how they both, you know, play out of the backfield, how they do as blockers as well. Um, And whether or not Larry Roundtree, like, kind of gets some carries to, like, get something going for himself Um, and whether he's still, like, a contender for that. You know, he's probably, like, an RB4 at this point, but whether they view him as someone who is going to make the roster or someone who could realistically be in the next round of cuts, depending on what kind of role they decide to give him uh, in this preseason game.
1: Yeah, next round of cuts feels a bit rich, but I I do want to see what this role is because he's clearly been phased out. He There's no chance at RB3 at this point, or RB2, obviously. It does seem like he is firmly RB4. Just Does that mean roster spot or not? I'm not so sure. Uh, I'll be looking at Jerry Tillery uh, tonight because no run stops, no tackles, no pressures, nothing in the last preseason game, and Morgan Fox showed up. He looked great. Jerry Tillery was blank in the stat sheet, blanked on film, uh, just pushed around at the line of scrimmage by guys that you know might not start for the Rams, um, if any of them even are. Um, so I am definitely wanting to see what he does, because it sounds like that last day against the Cowboys, he had a pretty decent day rushing the passer. So show me something. Show me anything. At this point, I think he is a roster lock or like a 98% lock, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is when you're a former first round pick. And you are kind of decent at rushing the passer. I want to see something, at least just show me that in the preseason, you can do something because I don't want to go into the regular season seeing nothing from Jerry Tillery, despite the fact that he'll probably have, you know, 40, 50 snaps by the time the preseason is over. So please show me something tonight. I don't know what to expect from him. Um, Arjun, do you recall what the number was for negatively graded plays for Jerry Tillery versus positive during that preseason game? Also, you're muted.
2: It was four run plays, and he was negatively graded on two of them, and the other two he just didn't receive a grade. I think because he didn't he didn't impact the play, but um, yeah, I think it, I think it was two
1: negatively graded and out of the four total plays. Lovely. Okay. Any other things you guys wanted to point out to look forward to tonight?
3: Um. No. I mean, I. I, you know, follow suit with you on the Jerry Tillery thing. You want to see something from him going forward, some movement from him that's positive and not like, oh, here's Morgan Fox and Chris Rumpf combining on a sack and there's Jerry Tillery getting pushed five yards backwards. Uh, So I would rather see something from Tillery if he truly is going to be the, you know, starting pass rushing DT1 or DT2, depending on how you listen with Fox. Like Tyler said, I don't know if I would go ninety. eight percent chance he's not cut but certainly in the you know 90s area if you want to say that he probably is a pretty decent lock to make the team uh so you know you just kind of want to see some positive momentum from him and hopefully he can take whatever he's been doing in these cowboy scrimmages into this game and and rebound from that Rams game because I just don't Mm -hmm. think it's sustainable for him to be you know a zero on the stat sheet in the preseason again like he was last week
1: yeah can't be and I hope for something better Okay, now we're going to transition to our Patreon supporter slash YouTube member questions. Um, I asked specifically for preseason related questions. Some people sent in regular season related questions. so I'm not going to have those asked or answered today. Um, but thank you for sending them in anyway. All right, let's get into it. So the first one comes to us from Joe Alexander, who asks, which position group do you think will exceed expectations? And which do you think may fall flat? And why? It's a big question. So if anyone wants to take that, go for it. Um, I'll say the wide receiver group will exceed
3: expectations in this game. I mean, continuing okay. off of last game, uh, I think Palmer will bounce back from, you know, Daniel kind of in him disconnecting last game. I think you get DeAndre Carter a little bit more involved. Didn't seem like he was involved much after they took mm-hmm. him out in the second quarter last game. Uh, and then you have, you know, potential, you know, a guidance sighting would be nice that he did have the one good catch last game, you know, when Chase mm-hmm. Daniel was kind of like getting pressured into that throw. Um, but you know, you do have, uh, they did cut, uh, Maurice French. So just seeing what Michael Bandy and Joe Reed and all these guys can do in this game to, you know, potentially, uh, either secure a roster spot or secure some kind of practice squad spot, I think is going to be, you know, a really good competition to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they'll all do pretty well in terms of what their roles are fall flat. Um, I guess I'll go with the safety room just because mm-hmm. I mean, we, okay. you know, Uh, you can kind of combine this with some of the rookie DBs as well uh, in terms of what Dean Leonard was doing last week, you know, Mark Webb, obviously, you know, this potentially is his first preseason game. Um, Alohi Gilman. I just want to see more from that group, but it doesn't seem like we're really seeing a lot from them right now in the preseason. Obviously Derwin not playing. uh, And so I want to see some of those safeties stand out, but it just feels like, you know, kind of, you know, with the wide receivers that the Cowboys have competing to move higher up the roster or higher up the depth chart with the injuries that they've had. Um, I think that that's a matchup that may not go as well for the safety room. And, you know, there were a lot of defensive pass interferences uh, with the with the defense last game. And you so you sort of just hope that that gets cleaned up. So you could say safeties or just kind of
1: the younger uh, secondary players in general. Um, but yeah. Yeah, for a fall flat, I definitely would have said the DB group just kind of as a whole I don't think they even do terribly, and frankly, there aren't many Cowboys receivers or tight ends available, um, but still, I, I think they may fall flat due to a combination of injuries and just other things. Um, exceeding expectations, I think it's the tight end group. I think if you're going to start with Easton Stick, they're going to feed the tight ends quite a bit, design rollouts, bootlegs, whatever. I mean, I think Easton Stick is going to feed those tight ends either over the middle or on rollouts or whatever. I think someone like Camp Moyer, Crum and Hook, you know, Stone Smart, and those guys get pretty involved so i think they'll exceed expectations tonight
2: i think i i differ from you guys i actually think the cornerback room will exceed expectations today i Good. think just because um last week i mean they were in positions they just didn't make the simple play but given how volatile coverage is week to week game to game i think it's it's fair to say they might bounce back and it's not like that Cowboys backup QBs or anything special. So I think we could see some good performances from Davis, Asante, or uh, some of the other lower string corners. And in terms of falling flat, I mean, I, I have to go with the offensive tackle group. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I they both, I've, all of them are not good. And, you know, I, that might be putting it bluntly, but I, I like the Cowboys D line, like they do turn out some good players here and there. So I think they might struggle, whether it's Pipkins, Norton, or some of the backups like Foster, Sorel, or Sarrell, however you say his name. So, I yeah, it's it's not. I obviously want them to succeed, and they we kind of need them to succeed. Um, But I I still don't believe in this tackle room yet, and they haven't really given me a, a reason to believe. So,
1: yeah, no, I, I definitely certainly agree there. And just speaking on the defensive line, I do think the running backs have a chance to fall flat tonight. I think we all were like, woo kelly and and spiller and you know everybody else um i think tonight just based on the way the cowboys practice now granted that was the first team defense we were watching um but they they beat up everything on the offensive line and therefore the running back so i think there's a chance that we see kelly or spiller or both struggle tonight based on expectations all right thank you joe for that question next one from steven gallard who asks do you expect any different rotations at any positions this week great question I did um, dive into this a bit in our Discord for our members. So there is going to be a change in the second quarter at interior offensive line that maybe you didn't see last week. No, it's not you know Zion playing right tackle or Jamari playing right tackle or anything. It's interior offensive line. Expect that in the second quarter. Won't say what, but it'll happen. Um, any other different position rotations you might expect or maybe hoping to see this week? no (laughs) cool all right good uh good job guys sounds good all right thank you for that one
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The next one comes to us from Bill Breeland who asks... Hey, guys, are there any surprise cuts you see forming that we thought were locks before, like how T-Billy was last season? I do think that Brendan Hymus is potentially one of them as a surprise cut, both in performance and related to the previous question that was just asked.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, Oh, sorry. Arjun, you go.
2: Okay. I I agree. I think Hymus has looked pretty bad the past the last game and then um, in the scrimmage with the Cowboys, he I think was 0-2 in his one-on-one sets the first day. So he hasn't really like shown anything. Like I think last preseason he was playing pretty well. And then Mm -hmm. there's a reason he didn't get a chance to play when when, um, O'Day went down and they they had to play Schofield, right? Like if he was good at the time or if he was startable, they would have played him, but he's not. And the fact that he could potentially be behind Jamari and – and Hunter and uh, Will Clapp, I think that's pretty telling. And that I mean, I think Staley and Telesco are changing the way that they um, view their draft picks. Like they're not uh, overly committed to them, which I think is good. And that's something that I feel like Anthony Lynn and Telesco kind of did sometimes, where they I don't think they cut a single player in from the players that they drafted ever in their tenure, except if, hmm. if it was injury, which is I think Dylan Cantrell. Cantrell. mm-hmm. Um, but if Heim is, isn't performing, then he shouldn't be on the team, and you should be going with someone like Jamari or Ryan Hunter who have shown a little bit more so far this offseason.
1: Yeah. It didn't pick up that connection, but then not cutting anybody. I'll see if that's true.
3: Yeah. Uh, Joe Reed, I guess, based on the preseason mm. game that he had last time, if he kind of repeats it again, you know, this week, I guess that could be considered a surprise cut, just a player gaining momentum in preseason training camp phase. And then is cut just because they wanted to keep five receivers or they wanted to keep a fourth running back. Um, So I I guess that could be something where the bubble just pops in terms of the momentum. Um, Other than that, I don't think there's any real like surprise cuts. Um, I know some people say Jerry Tillery, but like, again, I I just don't think they have the depth at that position to, to make that happen. Other than that, um, I don't really think there is like a big surprise one like Tyron Johnson, especially adding to the fact that this coaching staff has been here a year now and we sort of like know what they do uh, in terms of like cutting down the roster, or at least we have like an example and, and data in front of us to show, you know, which positions they value and which players they value a little bit more than when the final roster cut down came down last year. It was just sort of like we we didn't quite know what to expect um, at a number of positions uh, just based on how the coaching staff saw the roster, and so that led to something mm-hmm. like Tyron Johnson, um, you know, being cut. I don't really know if there is like a, a similar one of that kind of quality this year, just compared to like last year's Chargers team.
1: Yeah, I still don't think there's really a strong chance they cut Jalen Guyton at all. I do think he is wide receiver four or five, whatever you want to call it. Um, I do think you can start... Well, you maybe already are having this conversation, but if Bandy puts another 75 yards, seven catches, and a touchdown or whatever tonight, at some point, you really do have to consider A, him versus Guyton, or at least a wide receiver six spot. So I think that is worth monitoring, but I still wouldn't say Bandy over Guyton just yet, because again, Guyton is the only person on this team who can kind of do what he does, with the exception of maybe Carter, but we haven't really seen that in the regular season yet. Alright, next question. From John Rowley, who asks... In this second preseason game, who are you most looking to show, see, show that they deserve a spot on the team and at other and at what positions? Who do you think is on the bubble the most? So, I mean, I think that Michael Bandy is a very easy start and obvious answer there. I'd love to see him get a, a spot on the team. I did think it was interesting that Austin Eckler did say that Michael Bandy was a fantasy sleeper this year, which obviously if you're on the practice squad, you're probably not a fantasy sleeper. Um, or your, or unless Eckler is anticipating injuries, um, but I thought that was a bit interesting. Maybe if it means nothing, I don't know. Um, any guys on the bubble that you really want to see show out tonight? Jerry Hillary. <laughs> I, I mean, in terms of
2: deserving a spot on the team, putting up a goose egg against backups last week—that's not a great way to to show that like you deserve to be on the team. And like, I mean. I guess he he had a couple good reps in the one on ones that Popper posted on Twitter, but they were against the backup guard. So, uh, would love to see Tillery like at least put up a tackle, even if it's like ten yards down the field. Because, I mean, he needs to like really show that he's worthy of being on this team. Otherwise, they should be giving it to someone like Fajoco or, or Fajoco should make the team regardless. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I think Tillery needs to put on a, a decent performance tonight.
3: Yeah, I mean. I agree that in theory, Tillery does need to show a decent performance, but I think his spot on the team is, like, kind of locked anyway. Um, I'll bring up Braden Fahoko, like Thomas says in the chat. Not yeah. that Braden Fajoko really needs to, like, prove himself, because I think we're all, like, pretty on the same page that he should be on the team. But the fact that, you know, it, it just, it's never, like... Felt like it's guaranteed by the coaching staff that he right. will be on the team. There was the unofficial depth chart that came out that had Christian Covington ahead of him. Um, and, and just small things like that. Uh, it just shows that in my opinion, they've never valued Fahoko maybe as much as they should. So I think if he puts together a strong two preseason games to finish out this preseason, that can really, you know, uh, take him away from any kind of bubble cut consideration. Other than that, I don't know if there are really, like, guides on the bubble who I don't think are going to make it. Um, Mm -hmm. I do look at the edge room and look at somebody like Emeka Agbile, who, you know, obviously had the nine pressures last game, like Tyler said. Um, And, you know, if he puts together another game like that and, you know, completes his tackles on, you know, slightly less athletic (laughs) quarterbacks in this game than Bryce (laughs) Perkins, then I do think that there is, you know, potential for him to be some kind of, like, edge five um, kind of player. Yeah,
1: absolutely. All righty. Next question is a bit of a long one from Singred. Uh Hello. First of all, I love your insight. I enjoy your personalities. It seemed like we didn't see Isaiah Spiller come into the Rams preseason game until a bit later. Do you think we'll see more of him in this Dallas game? And how sold are you that he could be a solid NFL running back from what he's shown so far? Thank you. If you ever say my name, it's pronounced Singred, and I am a female. I also live in Sarasota, Florida. I don't know if Alex, you know where that is. Um, and purely became a Chargers fan during Justin Herbert's first game. I'm surrounded by Bucks fans, so I cling to your podcast and Twitter feed. LOL. Wow, you watched Justin Herbert's first game and became a Chargers fan. That's awesome. You also witnessed a horrific year for the Chargers overall. Um, so I can't believe you stuck with it after that 2020 Lynn season, but good for you. So, uh, we'll go back to the original question. So, you know, do you think we see Isaiah Spiller sooner in this game, and how sold are you that he? He, he, he could be a legit NFL running back from what he's shown so far. Um, I mean, I guess I was one of the people that was
3: harsher on Isaiah Spiller in like the draft process and how they got him. But everything I've seen so far has shown me that he can be a good NFL running back uh, in the league. I still do think there are some, you know, speed athleticism concerns. But, you know, the way that he's kind of been making his decisions reminds me a little bit of what we saw uh, out of a player like Justin Jackson, uh, for example. Uh Just from what we saw in that first preseason game, what we've been hearing out of the scrimmages. So, uh, I think he will come into this game a little bit sooner. Um, You know, maybe he kind of like splits time more with Kelly than, you know, one having a decisive bulk of the time over the other. And I do know where Sarasota is. It's where my mom is this weekend. Uh, So, I am not there right now because I'm in a foreign country and not on vacation.
2: (laughs) I think so the thing with with uh spiller is i don't think he did anything wrong the first during training camp i just think kelly was like playing like pretty well played pretty well last week and then i i mean the, he had a fumble in the in the joint practices and i think you know i don't really know how that's going to affect him and is we, we talked i mean i talked to him on in the interview and it seemed like he got past all that but you never know how, like one of these, just like a little miss, mishaps, even if it doesn't really affect anything, how that will just explicitly affect him um, and his mental state and his confidence going forward. So, I think we will still see, see Kelly early on, um, but I think Spiller will get mixed in more than Roundtree, and I hope that's the case. And I mean, ultimately, RB two should and will come down to Kelly versus um, Spiller. It's just who it's either who makes the most plays or who doesn't mess up the most. I think it's, or it's probably a combo between those two.
1: Gotcha. All right. Next question. And last question from this group from Frank Blakely, although he did send in a super chat as well. What will it take for coaches to see father needs to be right tackle? Uh, death from two. <laughs> I was going like, to say the I, same thing. I, <laughs> really, I really, like, I really think at this point, two guys need to blow out their ACL before we see father at right tackle. And look, Filer's a great solid left guard, and I think they don't want to change that. I think Filer is, or excuse me, I think Filer is not going to be right tackle, barring, you know, some significant injuries and whatnot. I think that we are stuck watching what we are watching. I can't imagine you all of a sudden go, hmm, that didn't work, which I don't know why you would assume it would have, but I can't imagine they go, okay, that didn't work. Now let's try Filer it's week three let's do it and I mean listen maybe he could do it and I'm sure that you know if these guys are giving up two sacks a game that Filer can be at least somewhat better um we don't know for sure that Jamari is it at left guard just yet either so yeah like Frank Blickley says in the chat an act of God like that's what it's going to take for Filer to be right tackle do you guys see any world outside of an act of God where Filer is right tackle no Um,
3: I I think Storm Norton would need to be recalled to the new XFL. I think that Trey Pipkins would need to be sent back to Sioux Falls, and (laughs) that's the only way that Filer plays right tackle. Um, I, you know, I think if this is a conversation for like if whoever wins the battle between Pipkins and Norton struggles in those opening weeks. I think they're more open probably to signing a right tackle, uh, you know, someone who's on yeah. the free agent market mm. right now than they would be to moving filer. Um, and that was a little bit demonstrated by, uh, for example, the Michael Schofield signing last year mm. when um, Bushi went down and they were just like, OK, well, we don't really love what we have back here yet and we don't want to throw Heimas in and we're not super confident. So let's go get a guy who's established, you know, kind of has played with the Chargers before, you know, knows knows the building, knows the system. Uh, and so they went for him. So I think they they kind of applied that logic to right tackle. If it's really bad for either Norton or Pipkins through those first three, four weeks, then I could see them signing someone. But I think they're really comfortable with the Lindsley uh, filers later, you know, uh, left side of that line right now. So I don't see anything changing that um, anytime soon.
1: Mm, Max Crosby week one, man, i was so excited for that game. Okay, guys. Thank you for sending in those questions. Again, if you want to send in a question ever, uh, we don't always do this. I just like to do this either with the mailbags or on the show if I'm hosting just because, hey, why not? I appreciate you guys. All right, let's get into the live chat questions now. We'll start with the people that sent in a super chat. And the first one I see with a question attached is from Flank. Flank, I am sorry, Frank. Uh, Frank Blakely, who asks, I remember reports of five drops in the first scrimmage. Was there a wide receiver that had more of those or a collective drop day for all of them? If you mean the Cowboys, like first day, then yeah i think it was like five six whatever it was it was pretty consistent um i would say there wasn't anyone who had more arjun do you agree like it feels kind of yeah it was it was pretty spread out i think yeah as far as the scrimmage like the actual chargers scrimmage went it was a couple drops from kelly uh, but i think that was about it so i yeah, just A problem throughout, sort of like last year. It wasn't just Mike Williams or just, you know, Austin Eckler or whatever. It was just everybody dropped one, and it contributed to the offense not looking so great. From who that what that. Thank you for making that so difficult for me. Uh, He sends in a super chat that says Zion could eventually transition to right tackle. Boy, are you glad that Steven isn't on this uh, episode today? I think he would lose all of his hair and his beard hair. Uh, I don't think he would agree that right tackle would be an option for Zion. Could he be better than Norton or Pipkins? I wouldn't put it past him. Um, but to me, if anybody's transitioning to right tackle, it's Jamari or Hymas, not Zion.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know what the expectations are for people talking about a player who exclusively played in the interior in college to play tackle in the NFL. And that's what Zion is. And making that transition from college to the NFL is very tough like on its own, just staying at the same position, but now going to a completely new position with different footwork and different technique. I mean, that's a huge ask for someone. And it's not like Zion was playing in like a, a tough conference like the SEC or Big 10. He's playing at Boston College, right? So you gotta be cognizant of that. So like Tyler said, if anyone's gonna do it, it's gonna be Jamari or, or Hymas who played that position in college, but they would have to switch sides as well. So that's also not that great of an option.
3: Yeah, um, I think like LDE Bruin says in the chat, it's probably more likely that Zion would move to center. Um, You know, and Steven's kind of said that before and like a post-Corey Lindsley Chargers team, uh, that Zion could do that as opposed to move outside. Um, But yeah, I think he is, you know, strictly one of those three interior offensive line spots uh, at any point going forward in the future. And I I think the Chargers, you know, also going forward will figure out their right tackle position at some point, whether it's this year or next year. Um, And so I I think they want to keep Zion where he is uh, at right guard. I think they want to keep Filer for the length of time that they have him at left guard. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then maybe, you know, after uh, Filer leaves or after Lindsley's done with his time here, then maybe they can move Zion around and and see what kind of works best with the pieces they picked up.
1: But I don't think Mm -hmm. Zion would ever move outside. Yeah, absolutely agree. All right, next question from Krogzilla. If right tackle... Gee, everyone's talking about right tackle. If right tackle fails tonight, do we sign someone? Do we move the line around or do nothing before week one? Uh, I'm pretty sure we're all thinking it's the latter. Yeah? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they do nothing before week one, and I can't imagine... I can't imagine that they have an... So let's say Pipkin starts. He's awful for four games or two games. I can't imagine they all didn't go, okay, let's go sign somebody like... If you make this commitment, you know how bad it potentially could be. And right now you are watching how bad it could be based on the way that they're practicing. So I can't imagine they go, oh, okay, after a couple of games, we'll just sign a right tackle. I feel like that would have been their plan kind of now rather than waiting a couple of games. So I think they do nothing before week one unless someone gets hurt. And then I really just think that this is it until at least the bye. I think whoever starts gets it at least through the bye unless it's just like impossibly bad which it can it could be Uh, i think they just do nothing before week one and i think that we are going to see these two right tackles in some capacity this year and that's kind of it cool getting some head nods all right um (laughs) alex because someone asked last week as well did you watch the better call Saul finale
3: Uh, Yes, I wanted to watch it originally on Tuesday night. However, uh, I got three and a half hours of sleep one night and I fell asleep during it. So I did eventually watch it. It was really great. Uh, Terrific ending. I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't watched, although I don't know how much there is to spoil compared to like normal TV show finales. Um, But yeah, best TV show of the year, like by far. Give everyone their Emmys, please.
1: Yeah, I have not caught up on this last season. I I thought I was catching up because I was watching the Netflix you know, episodes, oh, are yeah, like, yeah. oh, okay, they, they dropped the new season, cool. So I caught all the way up, and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm completely behind, and I see certain things that are spoiled. Uh, so definitely, definitely behind there. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear it was great. I love the show, and I hear it's even, this is the best season, yeah? but say it again? So does it seem like this is the best season of Better Call Saul so far? Or
3: Ooh, I think I would go with season five as still my favorite season. Um, mm-hmm. But season six was still like really good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Just scrolling through for some more questions. La, 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 la. Do you guys see any questions? You're more than happy to more than welcome to add them. Lots of uh, comments. Not a lot of questions. So maybe we'll just wrap it up pretty soon. So, uh, no one thinks it's weird from, uh, from rubsters 52. Uh, mm-hmm. no one thinks it's weird that we've heard nothing about Austin Johnson through training camp. I do I'm... understand the concern. Um, but I think I've, I've seen enough things in there. I just, I almost feel like Austin Johnson is just not the focus of that's Sebastian Joseph day, big focus, Jerry Tillery, big focus, Brandon Fahoko, big focus. I think Austin Johnson is just there making some plays. I've seen it. Um, and it's just not really talked about as much because, like, he just goes, he does his job, and that's it, um, which yeah. is great. I think that that's perfect. I mean, he's the second nose tackle on the team. Like,
3: how much is he supposed to stand out? Like, he's not going to be making sacks like the edge rushers in the preseason. He's not going to be, like, Up here making big plays, um, and that's kind of like hard to watch for in camp anyway. Um, I don't have any concerns with Austin Johnson to this point and the fact that he hasn't been more of a playmaker, especially when, you know, come time in the regular season, I still feel confident that as a run stuffer, he can do his job well. Um, and you know, he'll have Sebastian Joseph Day as kind of the starting nose tackle anyway um but yeah I don't think I don't think it's weird that we've heard nothing about Austin Johnson because I don't think that we're supposed
1: to I think that
3: kind of means everything's running well uh, running its course
1: yeah that's true we're also not hearing any bad news so no bad news is, is also good news um from Frank Blickley again if everyone stays healthy do you think we will have a top five defense I guess Arjun I don't know if you would know this but how often can a defense go from worst to first if you will like is that something you see typically uh or is that something that it just kind of progresses over the course of several years
2: um i i definitely think it's possible and i mean i'll put it this way my dumbass thought that the chargers had a chance to be a top five defense last year <laughs> we actually, all did yeah I, I was like this defense has potentially more potential than this offense in year one and i was uh, that just didn't work out um but I, I, it's definitely possible. Like I, I'd have to check the 2017 Jags. I don't think they were like awful in 2016 as a defense. Cause they did have Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye um, and Campbell and all of them. But I definitely think it's possible. And it, to me, I mean, it comes down to whether Khalil Mack can stay healthy. I think if him and Bosa can at least be, be on the field for 14, 15 games, that kind of changes the whole complexity of the defense and, you know, offenses can't pick, a side that they want to run on a majority of the time, you know, run away from Bosa, run away from Mac. I think having those two players complement each other would be huge. And the Chargers seem to invest a little bit more into, like, sports science and that kind of stuff, which the Rams are, are huge in, which is, I think, a big part of why we saw them be a little less injured uh, to some of the star players last year. But, yeah, it, it ultimately comes down to whether their stars can stay healthy because I think their depth this year is a little bit better.
3: Yeah, I think this all hinges on health and, and kind of like Arjun said, you talk about like the sports performance. The Chargers were like a top 10 team in terms of, you know, average uh, adjusted games lost last year. So they didn't have many injuries uh, or many like key injuries on defense that really like kept them down. It was more just you know bad interior defensive line play. And they boosted that right so far uh, through this offseason. So I think it, it is about staying healthy. Uh, obviously other defenses kind of also need to regress, but defenses do tend to regress, you know, a little bit more from year to year than you know offensive play does. So I think it's possible. And I think as long as you do have Bosa, Mac, Derwin James, and really the core players of this defense healthy, then I think it's you know very
1: possible their top five defense uh more sooner than later. Would love to see it. Arjun, what metric would you use to determine like if you had one stat? what would you use to determine what a top five defense is? Is it just EPA per play? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Cool. Good to know. All right. If this is the last super chat, then we'll, this will be our last question of the day. If you have another super chat, we'll answer it. We'll answer it as long as you have super chats. Um, but if this is the last one, then here it is from Jesus Lorenzo, who says thoughts on the Manti Teo documentary kind of didn't like how they added the media guys and didn't care that they ruined his life and gave him an hour to respond, uh, did you guys watch this first off? Yeah, what'd you
2: think? I, I mean, I, I felt really bad by the end of it. I think, I think the worst part to me was that they gave the other person, like, yeah, it like it gave them a platform to like share their journey, and I just wasn't, it honestly it felt like the other person was like making it about them, and
1: yeah, yep, like. 100%.
2: Uh, obviously, like it's it's been years since um, the whole thing happened, but I didn't really see any sign of remorse, didn't really see any sign that they cared about Manti. Like, they and at the end, they were like, Oh, I, I'm obviously I feel bad that I did this, but I'm happy that I did it because otherwise I wouldn't have found my identity or whatever. But like, that's how to reason that shouldn't be a reason to justify putting someone through the kind of pain that Manti had to go through. And I mean, hearing Manti just say, like, My first three years with the Chargers, I was playing numb. I mean, that's just a
1: scary
2: feeling. And it was not something I was on board with, like, supporting.
3: Yeah, um, I haven't watched it yet, but I did see the full two-minute, like, trailer that they put together on Netflix. And I was like, oh, they're interviewing the other person that did that. And that kind of, like, got me interested. You know, I wanted to watch it. Um, just haven't had the time to. But yeah, if it really is like they gave that person a significant platform with this documentary, it's like oh, talk about the pain you caused this person. Yeah, I mean, that it kind of does seem like a tough watch. But um, yeah, no, I definitely de- feel bad for Manti, and I think I think there are a lot of you know just sports stories going back through the years where the media you know could have covered something differently and didn't understand what was going on with a person and then you know regretted it years later and that is not just about Manti Teo but just about how you know things spiral out of control uh in general
1: yeah it it was a tough watch for sure I think I mean we were all in our teens Arjun was maybe 10 or 11 uh when this happened and man it, it was tough to watch one because you feel awful for him you just see him progress through the rationale for doing what he did and it's all based on being a good human being his faith You know, just relying on what he thinks was right and trying to help this person. And then the elaborate scheming that they came up with with different phones, the way that he at the time was able to replicate a woman's voice, the way that he did uh, was just something else. But my fiance and I, we were shouting F you at the TV every time she came on. So he ended up transitioning uh, and we were just like F you every time she came on because it was all about her and the way that like she would text Manti about something that the offense would do. And the defense would do something well. And she's like, yep, I pointed that out. Or, you know, oh, I did this, but at least, you know it was, it was bad, sure. But at least I helped with this or whatever. It's like, you suck. We, we, it was infuriating to watch her get that much screen time. I understand why they would interview her, of course. But I was not on board with, if we're supposed to feel bad for this person, I don't. Like, you're just an awful human being. Um, good luck with the rest of your life. But yeah, it was uh, brutal. All right. On that happy note, guys, that is it from us today. Alex Arjun, um, are you looking forward to the game tonight? Alex, are you staying up for the game tonight?
3: Ooh, that's a big question or whether I'll catch it on NFL plus at 5 a.m. I don't know. Uh, I hope I can stay up and uh, get some live tweets in, Uh, but you'll figure out whether I'm asleep or not very quickly. (laughs) So we'll find that out tonight, but I will try to stay up and uh evaluate the qb2 battle between easton stick and face daniel <laughs> because how exhilarating is that
1: yeah fun stuff arjun what about you man you muted i was muted um should
2: yeah i'll be watching it should be a fun game I'm expecting chargers to win they're actually um favored in this matchup again so um i don't think cowboys backups are that good so chargers should have a small edge there but I just, I just want to see the cornerbacks actually like turn their heads for once. So.
1: <laughs> That'd be great. And hey, we saw them working on it. Arjun, do you bet on Chargers games? Sorry, before I let you go.
2: No, I, I mean, <laughs> I'll. But I won't bet on the Chargers unless yeah. like the only, the only game I actually bet on the Chargers was when they played the Eagles and they were only favored by two points and mm. they won by three. And like, I was like, this Chargers team is way better than this Eagles team, and the run defense was just. Uh, Not not great, but yeah, they pulled that out for me. But if I'm betting on Chargers games, I'll bet against the Chargers. So I bet against the Chargers week week 18 against the Raiders as like an emotional hedge. Um nice. Okay.
1: (laughs) How much did you make off of the Chargers losing that game? (laughs) (laughs) I made like fifty bucks. Oh my gosh. My goodness. All right. Well we'll let you at least you, at least somebody won something from that game. Yeah. Um all right guys, take care. And if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Uh see you tomorrow. We'll be going live at nine AM. All right. Take care.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online